Good morning. Uh, you are dead this morning. Good morning. There we go. Um, man, I just, I don't know, I'm expecting something rowdier, I guess, today. Like, I'm excited to be in the presence of God, and uh, and I'm in the presence of God. So I just, I don't know, I figured that was an exciting thing for us. So um, maybe maybe we can just try again. Good morning. Um, it uh, is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Every time it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And um, so excited about this message we got coming today. Um, if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and flip to Isaiah chapter 6. Yeah. In the back, look at that. Um, I think that's from hospitality, hopefully not from the bathroom. But either way, I'll take it. Um, I'll take it. Um, man. Can we, could we just do something? Can we pray this morning just before we get started? And um, not one of those like little pitiful prayers where I pray and you listen or whatever you do when, when somebody else prays because that's awkward. Um, but just maybe today we can we can pray together. And uh, there's people in here, so it should sound right like when we pray like there are people in here. So let's just let's just go for it and ask God just to come into this space and just to move in our hearts um, because I believe in today and every day there are no throwaway Sundays I don't know about you and there are no throwaway messages and there's no like I'm just going to show up today there's never one of those because God is going to show up right Um, so if we come in with the heart of I'm here that's not really good enough we have to come in with a heart of, man, I just want what you have today, God. I'm here, you get one shot a week at this, and I don't have one to throw away, because if I don't have it today, Monday's going to be rough, and Tuesday's going to be rough, and Wednesday's going to be rough, Thursday's going to be rough, Friday's going to be rough, Saturday's going to be rough, and then I'm going to get back to Sunday, and I'm going to feel like that deer who's been standing in the desert for a week, and I need what you got for me today, God. So let's just pray like that right like man if I don't have it today I could I could die <laughs> um, and I don't know if I can make it through the week without it and, and and let's just aim our hearts in that way with longing towards what God's going to do this morning God we need you this morning just to come into this place and I think we got more than that come on church like pray let's go um, God I need you um, just to move in in me uh, if you don't move in anybody else, you don't move in them. Um, if, if they don't want it, um, God, then, then don't. Um, but God, this morning, what I know for me is I need your spirit just to do an amazing work in my heart and in my life. God, I need you just to move in, in a powerful way, shift the atmosphere in this place. God, that this morning, even even, even in the midst of, of, of maybe our, our thoughts and our fears and our, and our heartaches, God, that this morning that you would just speak in a way, God, that is beyond... Um, beyond a doubt that it was you God that this morning you would show up in a way that says I have seen God today God that today in maybe an unexpected way God that you would show up and God we would we, we would see something about you we've never seen before we hear something about you we've never heard before and God this morning that you would open our hearts and our minds to the amazing awe-inspiring name and power of Jesus the Son of God And if we can look at Jesus, then Jesus will point us to the Father. And the Father will point us to Jesus. And Jesus will point to the Spirit. And the Spirit will point to Jesus. And God, in that moment, I believe that you will be glorified in us. God, I don't want to be a Sunday morning churchgoer with a Christian t-shirt. I want to be a son of God. And that's not a part-time job. So God, this morning, transform my heart in a way that means something tomorrow. 
God, I love you. I thank you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, this morning, we're going to be in Isaiah 6 again. Um, and I'm just going to preach the same thing I did last week. I'm just kidding. Um, but that'd be all right. Um, but this morning, uh, we're going to be back in uh, Isaiah 6. And I'm so excited about this word that we have from God this morning. Um, to be honest, I, I've been thinking about last week since last week. And, and, and Sunday, it was kind of a struggle for me. But then Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, God continued to pour just the reality of what we had seen in, in, in this text that Sunday morning. And I think the amazing uh, thing is, is, the moment we walked into Sunday morning, it, this, this phrase in the year that King Uzziah died is a moment in Isaiah's life where he probably needed God more maybe than he ever had before. Yeah. He come in to the temple that day under kind of the, the fear and the weight of the world that he knew kind of crashing down around him. Yeah. See, Uzziah had been king for like 52 years, right? I don't know how, how old Isaiah is in chapter 6, but I know that no matter how old he is, that the, at least the oldest king he can remember, right, the, is, is Uzziah. Uzziah was a good king, and God blessed him because he tried to do what was right in the sight of the Lord. Not a thing that happens a whole lot in Israel, by the way, if you've ever read 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles. Most of those guys are jokers, and, and they're leading God's people, but they're leading God's people away from God. All right, but here's this one king who stands out, and he's like a good king who tries to lead the people toward the Lord. And it says because of that, God blessed him. And one of the things he blessed him with is long life, 52 years uh, of reigning as a 16-year-old took the reins. So he's, uh, I'm not good at math, but you can do that later, 60-something, right? Uh, that's a long life for a man back in this era. Right? We didn't have like good doctors and nurses and things like that then. Medicine wasn't a thing, uh, or at least it was kind of hokey medicine at this point in time. And, and to be honest, people didn't really live super, super long lifespans, and most kings didn't reign 52 years. But here is King Uzziah. And God blessed him. He blessed him with a long life. He blessed him with prosperity. Israel was a prosperous nation in this time. He blessed him with peace. Israel was a powerful nation in this time. And then King Uzziah died. And Isaiah, for the first time, has to wonder, like, oh, man, are we going to have food in the morning? Like, are we going to have even a country in the morning, right? Because the Assyrians, they're gaining power over here next door, and they don't really like the Jewish people because guess what? Nobody really does. And, and they're about to come in, maybe, possibly, and take over, and that's something to worry about. So Isaiah walks to the temple in his time of need, and he probably goes in. He's going to pray a prayer like he always does. He's probably been in the temple hundreds of times, maybe even thousands of times, going in, doing the thing, going in, doing the thing, because that's what you do, right? Amen? Like, that's what you do? Like, we're here today probably because you're here all the time on Sunday, and, and maybe some of you walked in today, and you expected very little from the Lord today, and you're like, I'm going to go in, I'm going to sing some songs, it's going to be great, and, you know, like, they'll, they'll probably do three songs, because we normally do three songs, and there'll be a prayer after the second one, and something will be said there, and then there'll be a prayer, and maybe Brad will pray again, because it's weird, maybe Brad will pray again, because it's weird, and then he's going to preach some message, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing, and then we're going to pray, and then people that haven't ever been here before are going to get bags, and then we're going to go home. Because that's what we do. And, and some weeks we walk in and there's an expectation because, you know, it's been a rough week or something crazy is going on in our life. And then when everything's okay, we really walk in and we expect very little from the Lord. 
Ah, just sustain me, right? Just I'm I'm coming to do my thing so so that maybe next week won't fall apart. I'm coming in. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the thing so you'll love me, and then next week will be okay because uh, I'm doing my duty. And if I do my job, you got to do your job. It's this thing that we've set up, this arrangement we've set up with the Lord. We're like, that's ah, gonna be okay as long as I do my part. You'll do your part. And the only time most of us really ever come in and expect anything from the Lord, and this is a shame really to me, the only time most of us ever really come in and expect anything from the Lord is when we know like everything's falling apart around us. But really all we still do, right, is we just come in and we sing the songs and we listen to a message and we leave and we're like, that didn't do it for us sometimes. Uh, and I think probably that's the moment that he's walking into. We'll give it a shot, Right? He's like five chapters in at this point in time, not been called as a prophet yet. He's just some guy doing the thing, probably a decent guy, but just some guy doing the thing. And he walks in and he's like, hey, let's just give it a shot. Because everything's going nuts and maybe, just maybe, you'll come through. So he walks in and God does something unexpected, right? I don't, I don't know why. Maybe he walked in with a little more expectation that day because uh, that would help. Um, but, but he comes in to the temple, and God does something crazy that day. It says that he saw the Lord. Not like, oh, it was a good Sunday. They sang victory in Jesus, and I held my hand up, and it was amazing. That's not the moment here that he's talking about. Oh, man, that preacher's just preaching fire and brimstone this morning, and, man, some little Jimmy got saved, and it was amazing for the fourth time. Um, not the moment, right? But he walks in and not like figuratively sees the Lord, but like he physically sees the Lord. Man, wouldn't that be an amazing thing this morning? Just walk in, you're like, I'm just coming in doing the thing. I didn't pray any extra before I got here. I didn't listen to any worship music, getting my heart ready before I come in here. I didn't read the Bible any this week before I got in here. And I come in here and, 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 and then, Wow. I see the Lord. Um, be honest, if you would do any of those three things or every one of those three things, it would be a reality. We would see the Lord a lot more. But uh, he, he walks in, and, and God does something unexpected. God shows up. Isn't that amazing? It's unexpected when God shows up at church sometimes, and this is one of those moments. But he saw the Lord, like physically locks eyes with the Lord. I can't even imagine. Right, like I've spiritually saw the Lord a bunch. I've seen him do amazing things. I've been in moments before, even a couple of weeks ago, where it was like, man, I'm almost to the point of speechless, and my prayer is that I'll get to the point of speechless. God, you just floor me where nobody has to talk and nobody has to sing, and you're just here, right? And this is the moment that he walks into, and he says, he's, he's not saying this at the moment. He's like, oh, my gosh, I see the Lord. But he's so floored right now. He's speechless and that he saw the Lord. And he, he saw the Lord, what, on a, on a high and, and lofty throne, basically a high, high throne, an imposingly high throne. And it says the train of his robe filled the temple. Again, that's, that's like the back end, the long end. And, and really what it's saying is the hem of the train of his robe. You don't even get the whole train. You just get a little bit. The victories of God, as I was saying, if you were here last week. He sees that God is big. He sees that God is powerful. And then in, in the midst of that, God invites him into a moment of heavenly worship. How inadequate is our worship comparatively? We are not adequately preparing for what we're going to see. And some of us are going to have to stand in the back for a while until we get used to it because we don't worship here. Um, and, and it says, and, and these, he saw these angels, these seraphim, not like the fat little bald baby angels with the diapers and the cupid bow, but like these things are seraphim burning ones 
powerful creatures, right? Like creatures that would floor you if you saw them. Like, I don't know what burning ones even begins to describe, but beings that had to shed some light maybe. Like <laughs> big, awesome, an- angelic creatures that says were standing above him. Each one of them had six wings. With two, he covered his face because he didn't count himself worthy to look at God. With two, he covered his feet because he was showing submission to God. He didn't sing, I surrender all. He surrendered all. And, and it says, with two, he flew because, you know, you got to be there. And it says, um, one called to another. It's two angels, maybe 17 billion angels, but I like to think of two. Um, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. The whole earth is full of His glory, whatever you want to call it. Um, could, can I just say, like, this is not an experience that we'd walk away from and be like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> he stands before God and He's reminded of how big God is and powerful God is, victorious God is, that God's on a throne that's higher than every other throne. It's a throne that's a little bit imposingly high, scary high. Um, and then he sees these angels flying around God, and these angels aren't like, oh, holy, 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 it's the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Or they're not like, holy, 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 it's the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. These guys are going nuts. I don't know with like what other appendages they got. They got wings, so they're doing this, right? <laughs> like um, getting up there. But I don't know what other appendages they got. But all I know is like they're not just like, I've heard this song a lot. Um, They are shouting to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And that angel over here is like, you know what, brother? I love that song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isn't that awesome? And the other angel's like, you know what? It is awesome. Let me see if I can do a little more here. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth earth all that stuff down there is full of his glory and the other angel's like you know what i got more than you i can't even hear you right now holy right it's like the shouting match in heaven you know why because they've seen the lord it's not about personality type when you see the lord by the way It's not about what you're comfortable with when you see the Lord, by the way. It's I have seen and I have to worship. See, the reality of it is if you've seen it, you have to worship. And singing songs is not really worship. I've sang a lot of songs. Go to a concert, any kind of concert, right? People are singing songs. When did that begin to be worship in itself? Raising hands actually is not even worship. Go to a football game, go to a secular concert. What are they doing? It's weird to me. It's weird to even watch it. But they're like, in in, in those concerts, they maybe in some way are worshiping but that's not true worship is it but here these angels are like unashamedly unafraid like just going for it before God and they don't care who's there they didn't notice like oh Isaiah's here we better stop what will he think they were too blinded because they had seen the Lord one time and they're like, that's enough. I don't need anything else. If I look at him anymore, I'll probably just die right here. I just better close my eyes. And I remember enough to know like, holy, 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 this is the Lord God Almighty. I don't need another song. I don't need another thing. I can sing the same one forever. So it's not really about your taste of music and it's not really about what song you got. You can worship the Mary had a little lamb, right? If it's about the little lamb. You're like, oh, Mary did have a little lamb, hallelujah. Right there in Luke chapter two, she birthed that lamb and that is good stuff. Amen, hallelujah. I can worship to that. 
It's not about song style. I'll fly away. Well, heck, yes, I will. Those angels are up there, and I'm going up there with them one day. That's going to be amazing. I'll fly away. I got that, right? I don't know how to do it with rubber rowdy boat, so don't listen for that one. <laughs> but really what I'm saying is, like, it's not about your preference. It's not about what you like. It's really just about seeing and worshiping, right? And if we changed all the music tomorrow to something else, if the words are still about Jesus, we really should still be able to lift up that name Amen. in a visible way. See, worship is an attitude of the heart, but it's an attitude of the heart that affects the whole rest of our body. Worship's not an inward thing. It's an outward open expression of, who, of what we've seen about who he is. In this moment, he's brought into heavenly worship, and he gets to experience this. And, and it even says, like, right, like the foundations of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices. They didn't need no PA, right? They didn't need, oh, this is my favorite, most awesome guitar lick right here. They didn't need any of that stuff. I don't even know that Chris Tomlin was in this scene in heaven, right? And it says these angels were going for it in such a way that the foundations of the doorways shook at the sound of their voices. This, this was a shouting match. I'm going to say worship is a rowdy experience, and it's always meant to be. We try to throw out that, oh, we've got to be reverent, we've got to be reverent. Heaven, heaven is not reverent in that term, right? Because in, in the throne room of God, what's going on is there are angels. Who knows how many? It's probably thousands or millions or billions. It's a lot of angels. But let's just pretend it's two for right now because one called out to the other, right? Maybe he didn't even get to see all of heaven. He just got a little bitty chunk, a little slice. And these two guys, Billy and Bob, right, they got going, and they were like, holy, holy, holy. And at the sound of their voices, they were just going for it so much that the foundations of the doorways shook. Now, I'll let you deal with, oh, I just am not a good singer, and oh, I can't pray out loud, and oh, all that stuff. But I'm just saying, if heaven worships like that, and it's not about the melody because it's not written in there, and it's not about the, the personality because it's not written in there, it's just about I have seen, and therefore I will, what's our problem? I'll be honest, that's not even where I'm going this morning. That's just from God truth right there. And if you don't like it, there's a million places that don't really care but in this place, our, our, our heart is that we would look at this thing and just do what it says, right? Yeah. And what it looks like when I look at it, and you, you, can, you can argue with me later if you want to, is that when people worship in heaven, it's worship. And it's loud. And it's a little crazy. And, and they may even have a confetti cannon. And all that stuff's okay because, man, when it gets going in heaven, the foundations of the very doorways of the temple, this giant building, can't even contain what's happening. Because when you see God, you respond. And if you don't respond, maybe you've never seen. Okay, and I'm not saying, oh, you don't do it my way, so you're not saved. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying maybe there's more than I just said a prayer at this time one time. Maybe there's a deeper thing with God that you haven't got to. And I'm not saying I'm better at it. I'm still digging. But grab a shovel, brother, because there's more to him than what you've seen. That's why the angels sing, holy, holy, holy. Isaiah, you've been around for five chapters now, and you don't even get it. Isaiah, you've been in the story for, for five chapters now, and you still don't see it. You're looking at him, and you still don't see it. You're in the room with him, and you've seen that he's on a high, lofty throne. It's higher. You're in the room with him, and you see there's a room full of victories. There are more. 
you're in the room with him and, and you, th- you just think he's big, man. He's, he's bigger than big. You don't even begin to grasp a little bit of it because he's not just holy. He's not even just holy, holy. He's holy, holy, holy. And really the only reason that we're not still going on the holy thing is because to exhaust that, our Bible would have to be a lot longer and some dude would still be rotten. Holy, 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 holy. His hand would fall off. Because there is more than what we've seen. And, and I just want to say, like, if, if we're not impressed, if we're not digging, if we're not looking, if we're not driving, you, you need to change that because you've not seen it all. I've heard people say, I've read the Bible once. I'm good. Read it again. You afraid you're going to figure out something else? The word is living. I read it once. Well, you didn't get it because it's living. Read it again. It'll be different. Read it twice. Read it again. It'll be different. I've read it maybe eight, nine, ten times now, and every time there's more, and there's more, and there's more, because God is holy, holy, holy. Oh, I'm a pretty good prayer. Well, you pray harder. Yeah. I have pretty good faith. Well, you have more, because God is holy, holy, holy. You've not reached the expanses of it, and even in heaven, when you get there and you're looking at him, they're still going to be singing a song for ages in heaven called Holy, 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 page 237. I don't know what page it is. I'm just kidding. Um, You you were going to look that up later. But they're still going to be singing that song because even standing in front of him, we are not going to grasp because we've never seen anything like it. And it says that the sound of holy, 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 the foundations of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices. It says the temple was filled with smoke. I don't know why that happened. But then it said... This is what Isaiah says, finally, right? Like um, five verses in, who knows how long he's been standing there. He finally gets his voice back. And the first thing he says is, whoa. Oh, man. He says, woe is me, for I am ruined. First thing he says when he sees God and he sees this worship is oh man I'm dead oh but God's not a God of fear no but it's a scary thing to stand in front of him he says woe is me woe I am dead I'm dead I cannot survive in this place. I should not be here, is what he's saying. I'm not worthy to be here, is what he's saying. I've seen you. I see that you're big, and I see you're powerful, and I see you're glorious, I see you're beautiful, and, and, I, and I start, I'm starting to grab some of this holy, 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 and I'm beginning to realize, like, I shouldn't even be here. I, I just need to, if I could get the strength back in my legs, because I'm probably on the ground right now, if I could get the strength back in my legs, I would just back right on out the door, because I shouldn't be here. You're like, why does he say that? Well, he says that, and he even goes on, right? He says, because I am a man of unclean lips. In the moment he sees God, he sees all that he is. After he's kind of sat in that for a minute, he begins to think, I'm a sinner. He's holy, and he is good, and he is righteous, and he is perfect, and he is great, and he is high, and he is mighty, and he is love, and he is all those things. He is every one of those things, but I am unworthy to see him because I am a sinner. 
I, I love this because you know what he doesn't say? Oh, I wish Joel was here to see this. He needs to get his life straight. Oh, I wish Peggy was here because, man, she's just she's caught up in some stuff. He, did, he didn't say any of that. You know why? Because he's too busy seeing God to be focused on what everybody else is doing. A lot of us spend too much time sitting there worried about somebody else when God's trying to talk to us and you're missing the story because God's like, hey, you hear me yet? And you're like, Peggy should be here. Hey, you hear me yet? Man, Joe, if he was here. Hey, you hear me yet? No, you can't hear him because you're so focused on everything else. He's trying to talk to your heart and you're looking at their heart. And the reality of it is when you see God, you're not first off worried about everybody else's heart. You're worried about your own because you realize, man, I should not be here. We've grabbed this entitlement mentality in the church somewhere along the line where we think that, man, we should just be here. We're good people, and we said some prayer sometime, and that made us holy. No, it did not. You're still rotten and wrong and sick and wretched. You still are a sinner. You're a worm, it says, right, in some of these places. You are no good. You are crummy. You are jacked up. You are broken. You, you, you are a mess, you're a whiny, complainy, sinning bunch of people, and I'm right in the middle of it with you. And at no point in time should I ever have been able to enter the presence of God. I still shouldn't come in. Right? Oh, I said millions of prayers over there. I could sit there and pray the whole rest of my life, and I still wouldn't be good. And the Bible puts it a different way, right? Because the problem's not am I a bad person or a good person. It puts it a different way. We're dead spiritually separated from God because we are that wretched right like ever since Genesis 3 like God made man he loves man he, he spends his time with man he, he 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 tries to have a relationship with man and then we decided right oh that fruit looks really good God's probably trying to hold something back from us God's just trying to keep something good from us let's just eat that fruit and see what happens we're not gonna die And we chose, right? You're like, I wasn't there. We chose. You weren't there, but you validated it a million times over. For stuff a lot less pretty than a piece of fruit, by the way. Make fun of all these people in the Bible, right? There's one dude sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Lineage of the Messiah. Kingdom of Israel. Sold it for a bowl of soup. What have, you, what have you sold it for? God made you, created you, breathed you, and you've picked thing after thing after thing after thing in front of him, and you've said a prayer, and you're still putting stuff in front of him, and it's dumb stuff, right? Like TV and favorite shows and internet and, and this person or this relationship or this feeling or this whatever. We're still throwing stuff in the way. Do you not realize how wretched that is? Oh, I can't read because. Who cares? Doesn't matter, Right? Created you, gave you life, saved you from hell, and you're like, I'm too busy. Wretched is what that is. Just be honest about it. Oh, I got to do this thing. That's wretched, actually. Jesus didn't have to do nothing. He, he, he made a time, he set a block apart called the cross, right? And he went like, oh, I'm too busy for that today. Let's see if we can put it off three weeks. See if we can just shove it down the road. It's wretched. But that's us, isn't it? And see, when you see God, you, you begin to realize, oh, brother, I have really screwed this up. And that entitlement and mentality cannot exist in a church that sees him. 
It cannot exist in a person that sees him. Oh yeah, Christians can be entitled all day long and look down on other people all day long and think about how good they are and how bad everybody else is all day long. But the moment you see God, you see the gulf. He is holy, 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 and I'm a worm. Like, I'm not on the ground, I'm under the ground, and dirt is piled on top of me because dirt has a better status than me right now. And this is the moment that he walks into. He sees God. He's like, oh my gosh, that's what you look like. Dude, I've never even imagined. I've been to temple over and over and over again. I've read and memorized the scriptures. I've sang every song that they've ever written, but I've never seen you. And here you are. You're in the room. And oh my gosh, you're big. And that is a big throne, sir. That is a really big throne. I'm just going to bow right here. Oh man, I'm, I'm on your cloak. I'm so sorry. I'm on, I'm on your cloak. Oh, cool. You got victories everywhere. They're piling out the door. And oh, there's angels up there that's really cool and they are scary but it's okay and 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 they are singing holy 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 i love that song i never knew it but i love that song that's my favorite song put it on my ipod when i get out of here that is amazing and and, whoa there's like an earthquake going on around here and this is cool and oh man i shouldn't be here right like there's an initial woe and then there's a woe He says, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And you're like, that's not that bad. It is in the presence of God. Because sin, any sin, can't exist there. Right? Like it's a God that I think it's First or Second Timothy. It says that he's a God that dwells in inapproachable light. He's so beautiful, he's so glorious that in this form we can't even see it. He's a God that Moses begged, let me see you, let me see you, let me see you. Moses, a man far better than any of us, let me see you. And he says, you know what, I can't because you'll die, but I'll hollow out a place in the rock and you can get in there and I'll walk past it. And when I walk past, I'll just give you a little whistle and you can come out and you can see the back because you can't see the front because you'll die. And here Isaiah is standing in the room with him and the initial thought is woe and the next thought is I'm going to die because I'm a man of unclean lips. What are you a man of? You a man of unclean heart? You a man of unclean mind, unclean hands? You a man of unclean radio or unclean TV programming? Which one are you? You a man of, I read books that are a little bit weird and off color, are, are, you, are you a man of uh, say things about people to them out loud or in my head? We could go on, right? Are you a man of unclean substance? Wh- which, which one are you? And you're worried about Jimmy. Why are you worried about Jimmy? Because you think you're entitled because you said some prayer sometime and really, but for the grace of God, you'd be dead. You'd be dead. Ephesians 2, right? Because of our sins and trespasses, because we're sinners, because we're a man of unclean whatever, we were dead and we deserved it. We were headed towards hell. Go read it later. Under the power of Satan. There was not one thing we could do about it. And then it throws in these weird words. It says, but God. But God. What did that have to do with you? But you changed your life? You try that in heaven and you see if you get there but you said some prayer which made you good, you try that at the gate and you see if you get in. But what? But God is rich in mercy. What are you entitled to? 
Nah, you, you aren't good. You're dead, but God. You're headed towards hell, but God. Under the power of Satan, but God. And he's standing before God, and he's not. But God, do you remember I pray sometimes? I go to church. I'm here right now. He says, I am dead. Whoa, whoa, I'm dead. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. Man, we wish that was our biggest problem, don't we? And then because here's the nature of the message of Jesus, it becomes, I'm a man of unclean lips, and oh my gosh, I'm surrounded by people of unclean lips. I want you to hear this because this is where your brain shifts, right? Of all those sinners out there. I'm a sinner, but they're out there and they're sinners. At least I'm a sinner in the temple. That's not it, right? It becomes concern, not condemnation. I'm a man of unclean lips and all those people out there, they have unclean lips and I'm standing before you, God, and I see it, but they don't see it. I can, I can see you, and, I, and I've had this moment with you, and I'm never going to have to let go of that. Like I'm always going to have that story, but all those people out there, they don't have that story. They've never seen you, God. Woe is me, but woe is them, and they need this. It's concern, not condemnation. Oh, Jimmy ought to hear that. That's not concern. That's you trying to take cope, right? You need to hear that, and when you hear that, you can share that. He says, I live among a people of unclean lips, and he says this, and because, here's the second woe, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, or the God of angel armies. You know, you know why woe? Because I'm a sinner, I'm surrounded by sinners, and I've seen you, and you are real, and you are serious, and you are big, and if this is the truth, I can never, ever stand before you. Good deeds isn't going to get it. Living a clean life isn't going to get it. I'm going to need more than that. This is the moment he's standing in. Right? It's the tension of, of the gospel. You, before you ever become saved, you have to realize that you're a sinner. And he's living in this moment of, I shouldn't be here. I'm jacked up and I'm a mess and I should be dead. But here I am in front of you and, and you should kill me now. And it says, then one of the seraphim, right, the burning ones, flew to him. I'd be out of there right now. All right, like this is not one of them little cupid angel babies with a dopper. This is a burning one with six wings. It looks like a, a flaming body coming at you, right? And, and they have six wings. And, and, and here you've already been thinking, I'm dead. And here in this moment, you're thinking, I, I'm, here it is. Here's like God's assassin coming to take me out. Like if you've ever read the Old Testament, Second Kings, I think it's like 19 or something like that. There's, a, there's, there's an angel that comes, uh, maybe a burning one, who knows, but an angel that comes and, and he wipes out 185,000, I think the number is, Assyrian soldiers. One angel, 185,000 trained men of war. And here comes one of those guys booking it toward you right now. After you've been thinking, I shouldn't be here, I shouldn't be here, I'm a sinner, I'm going to die, I can't, I can't be here, God, you should kill me. And here you're like, okay, apparently it's time. And this angel flies toward him and says he had a, a glowing coal in his hand. 
You go home and try that. You just heat up the grill today, make you some burgers, and before you do that, you just reach in there and grab one of them real red ones. Just hold it in your hand. Don't really do that. Um, Al, right? Apparently not bothersome to this guy. It says he had a glowing coal in his hand that he had taken from the altar with tongs. He didn't even consider he could touch the altar, but he reached in there and he grabbed one of these things and he put it in his hand and he flew over toward him. Now, I love this because uh, uh, fire is the sign of purification, right? Like if we want to separate like the, the bad stuff from gold, we do what we heat it up in fire. If we want to separate the bad stuff from any other metal, we heat it up and we start pulling out the undesirable, nasty things and we leave the pure stuff kind of under that. Fire is a sign of purification, but then the altar is this place where they offer up these burnt sacrifices to God. So in this moment, we see this image in Isaiah 6 already of what? Purification and sacrifice. Those two things are always linked in the Bible. You're never going to find purification without sacrifice. To have purification, something has to die. So this angel flies over to this place, right? Just an image of Jesus. He flies over to this place of sacrifice, and he, he feels he can't even touch it. And he pulls one of those coals off with the tongs, puts it in his hand, and he flies back over with this burning coal to purify in his hand. And he flies toward him. And it says that he takes this coal and he touched Isaiah talking my mouth with it. Can you imagine that? This dude has it in his hand and then he flies over and he right, this burning coal like right on his lips. I'm a man of unclean lips and he flies over and he's like, I can take care of that with purification and sacrifice. I'm going to fly over and I'm going to touch your lips with this coal. He sears his lips. Can I say it's painful sometimes to have sin eliminated? Some of you guys, oh, I don't want to struggle, I don't want to struggle, then keep being filled with sin, right? The struggle is the scissors, right? Like that's the thing that cuts away some of these things from us. And without any of those things, there is no, never any sanctification. And I guarantee you, Isaiah wasn't like, you know what I just would love to have this morning? I just, I'm going to wake up and go to the temple. And I hope somebody just grabs a burning coal from the altar and just shoves it on my face. That sounds amazing. I would love that. I love that feeling. Just burning flesh. Smells so good right there under my, my nose. Like, that's not what he was thinking that morning. But, but here, God flies this angel over to him with a, with, a, with a coal from the altar, and he puts it on his lips. And it, you can just imagine, because he sears his lips, just the, the, this pain. But then this angel says to him, Now that this has touched your lips, your wickedness is removed, and your sin is is atoned for. I'm going to read that again. Now that this has touched your lips, your wickedness is removed and your sin is atoned for. (laughs) Hold on. We just went from a moment of, God's going to kill me, God's going to kill me, I shouldn't be here, God's going to kill me. And he's right, by the way. 
a moment of worry and fear and, and, and man, I've seen you and that's amazing, but it's also going to be the last thing I'm going to see because I just wandered up into heaven today and I'm not supposed to be here. Went from a moment of I can't stand before God. I can't stand before God. I can't stand before God. And through sacrifice and purification and, and a little bit of pain, right? And, and then in that moment, we, we see that the angel delivers this message to him. Now that this has touched your lips, your wickedness is removed. What was I worried about at the moment that I saw God? I'm going to die because I'm a sinner. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm so wicked. I'm so wrong. I'm doomed. To which immediately I've got to change my life. I've got to change my life. I've got to change my life. Like those thoughts creep in, right? And, and, and really what it is is none of that stuff's going to work anyway. So God flies this angel over and touches his lips. And we go from a moment of I'm going to die to God saying, come on in. God should have crushed him. God should have killed him. God should have stomped him out. Like this is like pre-New Testament, right? This is pre-the sacrifice of Jesus. But it's always been the same God. He's always been trying to bring people back. He's always been trying to love people. They're like, oh, God's going to crush me. God's never been about that. Actually, God, every step in the Bible has done everything he can to make sure people don't get crushed. The ark, right? Like, oh, God would never flood the whole world. No, he would flood a whole world, but first he would build an ark to see how many people would get on it because anybody that got on it wouldn't have to die in the flood, right? Oh, God would never wipe everybody out at the end. He would never send somebody to hell. A loving God would never do that. Yes, he would, but before he did that, he would send his son to make a way through sacrifice and purification that nobody ever had to go there. A loving God will let you have what you want. That's part of love. And if you don't want him, you can burn forever and go to hell and be separated from him. That's what a loving God would do. Because a loving God would never impose right his, his forgiveness on people that didn't want it. But to anybody that would, right, even a man of unclean lips, even, even a man in struggle walking into the temple thinking it's never going to be me, it's never going to be today, I'm just coming in and I'm just doing the thing, I'm just reaching out and maybe today something will be different, maybe somebody will say something, maybe whatever, whatever, whatever. No, 2,000 years ago Jesus did reality, fact, die so that everybody that would believe in him, that, that would see it, right, that would see it would not perish but would have everlasting life. This is the Old Testament story of a New Testament working of God. And, and in this moment, we see he's standing before God. He's like, he's going to kill me, he's going to kill me, he's going to kill me, he's going to kill me. And through the sacrifice and the purification of God, what we see is God saying, come on in. I can't. I'm wicked. I got that. I can't. I'm a man of unclean lips. I got that. I can't. My life is too jacked up. I got that. But you see everything that's falling apart out there. I got that. I can take care of it out there and take care of it in here. It's how it works. But there's hurricanes. It doesn't matter. I came for you, not the hurricane, right? Like I can take care of those people. But today I'm here for you. I came for you. I showed up today in the temple for you. You know what? You came in and here I am. And it's not an accident and it's not a mistake. You didn't just walk in on a secret meeting of God and some angels today. You were invited into the throne. And and here you are, and you're worried about your sin. So let's just take it out of the way through the sacrifice and the purification of God. Guess what? Your wickedness has been removed. And then what's he say? And your sin, all of it, not some of it, not a little bit of it, not just the bad stuff. Like your sin has been atoned for. It's a big word. 
None of us know what it means. Because if you did, you'd be blown up a little bit right now. And this the word atonement can be divided into three little words. At one meant the idea of being at one. See, we see that the problem here is not that he's a man of unclean lips. It's that since Genesis chapter 3, he's been separated from a God that loves him. He's validated, yes, that decision over and over and over and over and over again. But here's the reality. People were made for God. God has always wanted his people. He's always desired to rescue his people. He's always wanted to draw them in. And he created this word, right, just to show that. At one meant we're at one. It's the idea of being at one. But sin separated us from God, right? But through the sacrifice and the purification of God, we have this ability to come back and to be at one or to be in, in, this, in this relationship with God. It's the same word that means reconciliation. This idea that we'd be brought back into friendship and agreement with God. We walk in and we see God and we're like, there's no way I should be here. I'm going to die. He's going to squash me. He's going to kill me. And God says, you know what? I've never wanted that. I've ne- I still don't want that. I've never wanted that. Tomorrow, I'm not going to want that. 16 million years from now, I'm not going to want that. It's going to physically pain me that there are people that I made and people that my son died for that are going to be in hell. Uh, that physically makes me sick. I don't want that. I don't want that at all. I, I, I let my son die so that would never have to be a thing so that you could come back and be at one with me. So today in the temple, I showed up in your greatest time of need just to say, you know what, if you'll just hang on to the sacrifice and the purification of God, I'll be your friend and you can be mine. It's a relationship word. It's not a let's not go to hell word. It's not a I'll just kind of throw a bone to you every once in a while in the blessing department word. It's a I want you word. It's I want you word. So in Isaiah 6, Isaiah walks into the temple, and I hope you see this. The first thing he walks in is broken and burdened, and God meets him right where he is, and he says, you know what? Here today, before we take care of anything else, I want you to know that I'm big, and I'm powerful, and I'm strong, and I've got victories, and I'm something like you've never seen before. So it looks like Israel is falling apart, but I just want you to know I'm a holy, holy, holy God, and I'll never let you fall apart. Now let's take care of something else. You're a sinner. You're never going to see that until you see me. You're never going to see it. Right? You compare yourself to Joe, you're never going to see yourself as a sinner because Joe's a sinner. You might be better, you might be worse, but it's not a gulf. And you've got to see that there is a gulf, there is a divide, there is a, a wide, wide thing between a holy, good God who's never failed, who's never wronged, who's never thought a bad thought, never done a bad thing in you because you've done all those things. You're a worm. You are covered up by dirt. You're so far under the ground. And here's me in heaven in an imposingly high throne. And the first thing you got to do is experience a little fear that that you're not me and you're not going to get there. You're not right under God. You're under the ground. But once you get that, I just want you to know I'm here. 
Don't be afraid to say you're a sinner. Don't be afraid to say I'm a messed up human being. Don't be afraid to say that I've failed and I have a history and I have a past and I've done things. Don't be afraid to admit that because I'm not here to kill you. I'm not here to kill you in your honesty. I'm here, I'm here to, to meet you with, with, with forgiveness. I'm here to bring the purification and the sacrifice of God into your life. And I'm here to do something about that problem. Yes, woe. And then you can go to woe. But then we need to come right back to woe. Because here I am with a coal in my hand saying, I've got the cure. Here's, here's the reality. The problem isn't sin. The problem is separation. That comes through sin. And I'm here to just reel you back in with the sacrifice of Jesus. I sent my son to come here and to, to, to be born in a manger, humble beginnings, right? And, and to live a perfect life for 33 and a half years to, to show you, to show you this is the heart of God. This is who I am and it's what I do. And at the end of that 33 and a half years, when you were about to go on the cross, Jesus bumped you out of the way, and he took your cross, carried it away where you couldn't get on it, stuck it in the ground, laid out his hands and his feet, allowed sinful men to nail him there, to hang him there, and to kill him there. Not so you could, you could be good people, but so you could be alive people. Not so you could be entitled people, so you could be forgiven people. Not so that you could think you were good, so that at the foot of the cross you would have a clear view of what good really is. Because hanging on that tree is a holy, holy, holy God who came for you and loved you, not to crush you, but to forgive you and to bring you back into at one mint. And to reconcile your heart to the very heart of the one who created you. Whoa. Whoa. Right? Whoa. Whoa. At the cross. Whoa. At who Jesus is. Whoa. At what he's done. Whoa. At forgiveness. Whoa. At oh my gosh I'm a sinner and I don't deserve any of this. But he gives it freely. Whoa. And until we get back to the moment of at all in that nobody's coming to the church and nobody's coming to salvation. You know why? Because saved people should act like saved people. The Bible even says let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Not to let the redeemed of the Lord sit on their butts in church and pretend like there wasn't something amazing happened in your life. You were dead and now you're alive and that came through Jesus through through the purification and the sacrifice of a holy one and if that doesn't floor you maybe you need to hit the floor because down there you can see who is really up there let's pray